reach my pastor so you know i need to i need to listen to somebody i'll take advice from this cursed line and and that's what happens we can't hear from god because we don't spend time with god yet we're willing to go to somebody that has some good advice a self-help book oprah oh that's good advice dr phil your next door neighbor that seems like they got it all together would probably on the inside of that house it's really falling apart we're willing to go anywhere except to the right place tendency to turn to just about every other resource for help before we turn to God. We read self-help books, listen to motivational speakers, or even more common in this day and age, we do a quick Google search and take the advice of a random blogger or journalist that we know nothing about. As Pastor Mark continues to lead us through 1 Samuel, we are reminded of our need for God's guidance. He should be the first place we turn to as we face the challenges and questions of life. The voices of this world can offer temporary relief, but God will lead us into everlasting joy and peace. Well, let's join Pastor Mark in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 14 with today's edition of Come Alive. None of us would even be hanging out with each other if it wasn't for Jesus Christ. When you think about it, we live in different parts of the town. We're different culturally. We're different in the, what we like and what we do, the way we act, the way we think. We're completely different. Even some of our marriages, you know, maybe your wife would have never married you if you weren't a Christian. And so we are completely different people. And so God brings us here for a purpose corporately to, one, worship him, exalt him, and glorify him. But number two, also to encourage and and fan the flame in each other's lives to stoke one another and and tell how God works in, in, in each of our lives. And so that's one of those things I would like to encourage you to do. And, and also, don't be afraid. And, and that's kind of what today's message is all about, is not being afraid. It says in 1 Samuel uh, chapter 14, verse 1, it says, Now it happened one day that Jonathan, the son of Saul, said to the young man who bore his armor, Come, let us go over to the Philistines' garrison that is on the other side. But he did not tell his father, meaning Saul. And Saul was sitting at, in the outskirts of Gibeah under the pomegranate tree, which is in Migron. And the people who were with him were about 600 men. Ahijah, the son of Ahitab, Ichabod's brother, the son of Phinehas, the son of Eli, the Lord's priest in Shiloh, was wearing an ephod. But the people did not know that Jonathan had gone. And if we go back to verse 1 real quick, there's a time... When every child, and we look at verse 1 where Jonathan, he's a, it says he's a young man, there's a time when every one of our kids will come of age. And there seems to be that time here for Jonathan as we look at this. You're going to find that in those times your sons or your daughters may not share everything with you. Uh, they will hold some stuff back. They will keep some stuff to themselves. But we need to be honest and ask ourselves, when that time comes for your son or for your daughter to venture out in faith, would you be behind them? Or would there be that criticism that, here's what I think you should do with your life? 
Now, every parent knows that we need to mold and shape and kind of drive them in a direction, but yet, you know, we know that parenting, if you have more than one kid, you know that each of those kids are so different. It's funny, they have the same mom and dad, yet they're very different. Each kid has his own special bend and each special direction that they want to go. You might have one son that wants to just read books. You might have another son that wants to be a doctor, and you might have another son that wants to play sports or be a stunt driver. Who knows what they'll be? But each kid has a different bend, and we cannot bend them or shape them in a direction that we want them to go, other than the Bible tells us that in the direction of the Lord. But from there, there's many different. Not all of us are doctors or lawyers or construction workers or oil rig workers or whatever. Not everybody's a musician. And so we understand and we know that each of us have a a certain gift, a certain talent, a certain bend, so to speak, in the direction we want to go. And so a lot of parents are, tend to slow their children's pace instead of increasing their space by saying go. Sometimes it's important for us to say go. Go do something because with God, I think you can do it. With God, if you're going to honor God in this thing, then go for it. If you want to work the drive-up window at McDonald's with God, go with God, man. Be the best employee you can possibly be. And a lot of people are like, drive-up window, McDonald's, no way. That's an important part of our society because not every doctor and lawyer will stop and get out. I mean, if this guy's on his way to an emergency operation and he needs nourishment, the drive-up window is an important place. That kid, usually it's a high school kid, We'll start there, but I believe it or not, I had a friend that started at a drive-up window at a Kentucky Fried Chicken and, and now owns like a bunch of these franchise uh, restaurants and is one of the wealthiest people and in, in, in that was in the state of New Mexico. He's now moved on to San Diego and, and, and has a CEO-type job with a high school education and not a lot of college. And so it's amazing how God, and this guy is a Christian, how God can work a drive-up window. And think about the influence you have in a drive-up window. If your boss will allow you to throw a tract in the car or hand a tract off to someone, and you might have some influence at a drive-up window to hand a tract into the person serving your Starbucks drink. So here sometimes I think we slow our children's pace instead of increasing their space. We, no, 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 you need to get a job that's going to pay you six figures or you're not going to be anything. And we start to try to shape them and conform them to the world instead of transforming them to be more like Jesus Christ. A Christ-likeness. He was a homeless man with no place to lay his head. And so Saul is out of relationship with God. We see that. We see here that Saul is sitting in the outskirts of Gibeah under a pomegranate tree. And you might think, well, bro, he can relax. It's not a picnic type of a day. There's a war and a battle at his doorstep. And so here, he just sits back. He has lost his connection to God. How do you know he's lost that connection, you ask? Well, I'd love to answer that. You see, sometimes you and I can lose that connection as well because we were once connected, we were used in the same manner, and it has either decreased, ceased, and and you find yourself serving yourself more. You, you might find yourself serving you more, serving some other God. Yes, you can be your own God instead of serving God. And God will start to stir the hearts uh, and the spirits of those other believers around you. 
And what Jonathan is about to do is for the people of his, so to speak, his church, his community, not just random acts, but for the people that God has called him to be with. And he, his thought is, dad's blowing it, so somebody might as well pick up the light and let it shine bright. And so here we see that. Verse 2, it says, Saul was sitting in the outskirts of Gibeah under the pomegranate tree, which is in Migron. The people who were with him were about 600 men. And Jonathan is kind of like, Dad's just sitting there. He isn't doing much, and I know he's not in the right relationship with God. Hey, you guys know anybody that's like that? You kind of hang out with them, and, and maybe they're even in church, and you see them, and you're like, man, just... Man, I just have this feeling. The Lord's just given me discernment to say they're not in the right relationship with God. Or maybe a parent. You know, sometimes when, you know, my mom got saved a a while back. And every now and then I I can see that she's not in a right relationship with God based off the things she's talking about. The conversations we have. Or you could say the complaining that takes place. The complaining that I hear. And so I say, hey, mom, when was the last time you've been to church? When was the last time you had quiet time? I was amazed at this past at this uh, men's retreat, being one of the speakers. They had us come up at, at the afterglow type of a service, and they said, "Hey, we want you guys to pray for the people." And there was a bunch of men there, and I prayed for a couple of guys. I, I prayed for seven people, and out of those seven, I was amazed to find that six of them were not having their quiet time. And one guy actually told me, "Hey, bro, will you pray for me?" I said, "Well, what's going on?" He says, "I'm thinking about leaving my church." And I was like, really? Why is that? Well, I'm not being fed. I'm like, you're not being fed? What church do you go to? And he said, Calvary Chapel of. And I said, whoa, I know your pastor. We we should go talk to him. He's like, yeah, I don't know what's going on. So I said, hey, let me ask you this. Are you having quiet time? No. When was the last time you had quiet time? Maybe a year ago. Hey, when did this you not being fed at your church start taking place about a year ago. So I asked him, I said, you know, can I, and he was an older man. And so I asked him, I said, Hey, let let me ask you a question. And and I just want to get in your face and love. If you can't feed yourself and you expect somebody else to jam a spoon in your mouth, are, are you kidding me? Do you see what I'm saying? He was like, yeah, I guess so. I said, here's what I want you to do. I'm going to pray for you. I don't want you to fellowship with anybody tonight. I want you to get up. I want you to leave here, go to your room, open your Bible, get on your face before God, ask him for forgiveness for not having an intimate time with him daily. And then I want you to find, and I'll I'll even give you a couple of verses to start with and start having some quiet time tonight. And then when you're done with your quiet time, I want you to pray for your pastor, and I want you to do this for six months. And in six months, here's my phone number. Call me. Give me your phone number, and in six months, I'll put in my calendar. It'll ring for me to call you. And if you're still not being fed at that point in time, man, I will encourage you to leave that church. And he just kind of looked at me. He goes, you think that'll work? I "I don't know. That's between you and God right now. Next guy, same thing. Man, my marriage is going down the tubes. Have you been having your quiet time? No. It's amazing what quiet time will do, that intimate moment with the Lord and having that connection. And we see here with Saul that he is not connected. He's sitting. It's not saying he's hanging out with God. He's just sitting under a tree. That's how it starts. It starts with a little relaxation, a little, I'm going to stop. I'm not, you know, God's not doing it for me, so I'm not going to hang out with him. It's not working the way I thought it was supposed to work, so I'm done. I'm finished. 
And, and then we wonder why things start to fall apart. And so here, God has called Saul to begin Israel's liberation. Remember, he was in the field, he was plowing, and all of a sudden God calls him and he charges and they win an amazing battle. But he never really acted. He, he, he would follow up on what others would start. And so there's this great lesson here. How many times have I heard people with concerns and ask, why is this or what should we do? And, and as the Lord has begun prompting the faithfulness that follows, there's a heart that's breaking. God starts to prompt, a heart starts to break, things start to get tough, and we sit down. We just stop. And we shouldn't do that as Christians. We should continue forward, and we're going to see why and how. Look at verse 3. Verse 3 says, Ahijah, the son of Hittub, Ichabod's brother, the son of Phinehas, the son of Eli, and the Lord's priest, and Shiloh, was wearing an ephod. Remember back when God cursed Eli's family and said, hey, you guys, and, and all of a sudden here, Saul kind of brings this one guy back because Samuel's not there. Hey, I, I can't reach my pastor, so you know, I, need to, I need to listen to somebody. I'll take advice from this cursed line, and, and that's what happens. We can't hear from God because we don't spend time with God, yet we're willing to go to somebody that has some good advice, a self-help book, Oprah. Oh, that's good advice. Dr. Phil, your next-door neighbor that seems like they got it all together would probably on the inside of that house, it's really falling apart. We're willing to go anywhere except to the right place. See, an ephod is this little funny word. An ephod, is a, it's a breastplate. It had these stones in it. Each stone represented a specific tribe, and inside of the ephod was a small cloth bag, and it contained the umum and the thumum. And it's not because I have a speech problem. That's the best I can say. It's these two small, differently colored stones. It was kind of like shooting dice. You know, it's kind of like, okay, Lord, if you want me to go left, the blue one, right, the red one, or whatever color they were. And they'd roll these dice or stones. And based upon the color you would reach inside, the priest trusting God for direction, he would be like, all right, God, here's which way we're going. He'd pull out that stone like, oh, that's where we're going. We trust that God is sending us in that direction. At that moment of time, grab that stone, green meaning to go, or red meaning to uh, stop, green meaning to go. And you say, okay, God, what would you like for me to do? And whatever color came out, that would be the Lord's leading. That's how they did it back then. And apart from the, the word and apart from casting lots, God would use these priests in that very specific way. And so Jonathan may be sitting here, let's go back to him, thinking, man, dad should know the will of the Lord. He's got this guy that's got this stuff. He's got a priest. He's had Samuel talk to them. He's had communication with him. But, you know, here's the deal. God's not obligated to talk to Saul. Just like God's not really obligated to talk to any of us if we're not being intimate and having that quiet time. He doesn't owe us. And if he does, I mean, what did you give him that was so much? I gave him my whole life. Did you give it to him crucified? Is he really obligated to talk to us? Is he really obligated to talk to Saul? Because of his unrepentance, because of his rebellion, I mean, really, is, is God going to speak to him other than repent? Repent. So instead of God speaking to Saul, he begins to do a work in his son's heart. Check out verse 4. Between the passes by which Jonathan sought to go over to the Philistines' garrison, there was a sharp rock. And on one side, and a sharp rock on the other side. And the name of one was Bozes, and the name of the other, Senna. And so here's these rocks. And then verse 5, the front of one faced northward, opposite Michmash. 
and the other southward opposite Gibeah. And so this is, is, I think, for our own understanding here. I think the reason that the Lord allowed this to be put in here, because you're like, okay, so what? There's a big, sharp rock. But it's not just a rock or a rock, but a big, sharp rock, a mountain, so to speak, a crag. So there's this huge, sharp rock. And I think God wants us to see this and that it's important because, you know, here, this is for our own understanding. There's an obstacle in the path of Jonathan. As God stirs in Jonathan's heart and, and, and wonders what he should do next, he goes, okay, well, let's go. Let's go for it. We move forward, and all of a sudden, there's an obstacle. Jonathan's like, I want to see what those guys are doing. I want to go see what the Philistines are doing. I would like God to use me to do some damage to the Philistines. I'd like to open up a couple of cans, but there's this huge obstacle in my way. What do I do? Well, I think if it was Saul, it would have been, "Ah, let's turn around and go home. You can't climb that. And on the other side, there's a thicket. There's thorns, and that hurts. We're going to get all scratched up. Josephus, the historian, writes about this structure. He says, it's a large precipice with three tops ending in a very long, sharp tongue, protecting a large surrounding area of cliffs, exactly a natural fortress existing east of the village of Michmash. Today, the people who live around that area call it a fortress, and so it's seemingly impassable. It's kind of like saying there's no way around this thing. We can't get through here, so we have to go all the way around it. And so Jonathan here, he has a great idea. And here's here's what could happen. Jonathan could list the excuses as to why he cannot do what God's calling him to do. Has God called you to do something, and you've got a list of excuses of why you can't do it? Anybody here like that today? Don't raise your hand, but if you are, then let me just say this. It's not good enough. It's not good enough. Why would God call you to do something? He puts an obstacle in your way and then allow you to say, well, I can't do it. Really, bro? Of course you can't do it. You can't do it on your own. You can't even stop cussing on your own. What makes you think you're going to be able to cross this thing on your own? You need me. So Jonathan could list the excuses as to why he can't do what God's calling him to do. I've heard that before. I've heard people list some excuses. Well, I stayed up late last night. I'm too tired to go and drop groceries off. What did you stay up doing? Playing video games. You're a big boy. You go. You can go. Here's the excuses Jonathan could list. Dad's it. My dad's not going to like it. My, my dad's not going to like this, and he doesn't believe really that you can do anything, God, so I don't want to upset him. You call me to honor my parents. That's a good excuse. Number two, it's right in front of me. There's this this huge rocky cliff, and there's 30,000 Philistines on the other side. And do we remember and see who's coming with Jonathan? Does it list an army? Remember, the army left. Only 600 are left, and they're hanging out with Saul underneath a pomegranate tree eating fruit. And so here's Jonathan and the armor bearer. There's only two of us and that big rock. I mean, you'll understand. God will understand. He'll understand. I know he'll understand. He's God. He'll forgive me. And we begin to presume. Why does God do that? Why does God knock on somebody's heart? And why does he allow them to just take that first step 
and then present an obstacle. Why does God do that? I'll tell you why. Because it's a test of truth. It's a test of truth. And you could say, well, doesn't God know the end from the beginning? Sure he does, but you don't. You don't know what you're capable of. Just like a little baby doesn't know what he's capable of. He just gets up and walks. He doesn't know why, but he falls. What if that kid never got up after the first fall? And then you got Frank over there. He's 20 years old, and he's just laying on his back, and he's like, well, you know, I fell once. It's, it's, it was bound to happen a second time. There's no way I'm going to get up and walk. So that's why I have Wendy drag me around everywhere I go. And she loads me in the car. I mean, luckily, I don't have to walk to do my job because I'm a truck driver, but, I, you know, I don't get out of my truck because she comes and picks me up or I'll have some guy drag me over to my car and I can go home. I mean, we laugh, but sometimes that's how God is. He's like, man, I've been dragging you around and it's just proven useless. It's a test of truth. You know how often I hear someone that says, I'd like to, and fill in the blank, I'd like to do that. And they don't. Or, man, I'm here for you. I'm here for you, bro. And then next Sunday, you're like, you don't see them. And three years later, they show up and like, hey, bro. And you're like, um, man, did you have amnesia? And you got cured? It's been a long time since we've seen you. You're back? Are you gone? Where are you at? A lot of times, they get taken down by the first obstacle. The first obstacle takes them down. What is that? Faith, hope, trust belief, perseverance. I mean, when you're taken down by that first obstacle, is that any of those? No, it's none of those things. It's not any of those. Yet God may be stirring some of those characteristics so that we can, well, once we've gone around that rock, that obstacle, so we can meet the task ahead to build that strength and that perseverance. In a few weeks, we're going to study about the young David and a giant named Goliath. And it's the same Saul that is disconnected with God. And he, you know what he, do you remember what he says to David? He recommends that David doesn't do anything. Oh, don't do that. See how big that dude is? He's gigantic. And that's why the whole army's just sitting here. We're going to sit here and wait this thing out. We're not going to move forwards or backwards. We're just going to sit. And you know what? Eventually we may die right here, but hey, we didn't have to fight the giant. Nobody got hurt. Remember what David's response was? Hey, Saul, I fought a lion, I fought a bear, and and I beat them. God gave me strength. So Saul, this guy, this giant, (laughs) with God, he's nothing. We're so glad you tuned in today to Pastor Mark's teaching here on Come Alive. Pastor Mark has been walking us through the Bible verse by verse, chapter by chapter, unlocking the blessings, truth, and love found within its verses. We know that reading God's Word can be difficult to squeeze into your schedule sometimes, so having something to listen to instead can help. With that in mind, we'd like to let you know about our Come Alive podcast. We've made Pastor Mark's messages available to you for free so that you can take them with you on the go, making hearing the Word so much more convenient. Search for Come Alive on iTunes or on Google Play and subscribe to have a notification sent to you as soon as we post new additions. Thanks again for tuning in today to Come Alive. If you'd like to learn more about this ministry and the church behind it, please visit us online at comealiveradio.com. If you're living in or near Katy, Texas, we'd also like to invite you to come see us in person at Calvary Chapel Katy. 
We are a laid-back group of Jesus followers, and we love inviting new people to come join us in seeking the Father and praising His name. Find service times and directions to our church when you visit our website, comealiveradio.com. That's all we have time for today. We pray you continue to find Jesus through His Word and in everything you do. Join us next time for another in-depth look at the Bible, right here on Come Alive.